Hey everyone, this is a filler episode exploring what artists think about music. I had an awesome opportunity to visit New York City in October, and the conversation that you're about to hear in this episode is my conversation with my dad's former colleague and my dear friend Shigeko Sarasuga. Shigeko is a working professional actor based in New York City. And I wanted to discuss what music means to her as an actor, not a musician. You're listening to Musical Tangents. Welcome. So,、uh, I guess the first question that I was going to ask you、mm-hmm. was.、Um, Because,、uh, for those of you who are listening to this, I'm here in New York and I'm here with my dad's、uh, former colleague,、uh, Shigeko. So, I want to kind of hand it over to you and maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you do and what kind of roles you've played and things like that.、Um, I, I guess I would like to go back. Uh, my name is Shigeko Sarasuga, and at currently my stage name,、um, original name, Shigeko Suga. I came to New York in 1986.、Um, and I pursued being an actor. But in 1986 in the United States,、uh, for Asian performers,、um, there weren't too many doors that. Were open because there was a very strong stereotype, just as, as African American actors were only playing basketball players and, and whatnot. At, it was at that time Asian female、um, actors or actresses only were portrayed as geisha girl, tourist, or school teacher. Uh, that's about it, unless of course you're from the Kabuki family.、Um, so、um, I, as, as a theater artist, I did not want to give up just because the door was closed to me. I did not want to give up, so,、um, so I was contemplating. At the time, I heard about a, a company called Pan Asian Repertory Theater, directed by founder, director、uh, Tisa Chang. And then I further find out that、uh, from Tisa, so at, at that time I auditioned for Tisa. They were looking for cast members for Shogun Macbeth. And they did cast me as a tea ceremony and a gentlewoman who serves Lady Macbeth. From Tisa, I learned about Ellen Stewart, founder and director of, original founder, director of La Mama Experimental Theater Club, began、uh, 1962. And,、um, and so Tisa Chan calls me one day and says, Oh, well, Ellen's looking for somebody for her show who can dance and perform in, in her next show. 
okay, I'm there. <laughs> and then, so, um, so I show up, and that was the beginning of my days and years of La Mama. I met with Ellen Stewart, who didn't even bother looking at my resume. She just, I think she just tore it apart and say, just get in there and show me what you can do, kind of audition. You know, it, there was no formality. It's like, do something, kind of audition. So I got in, and my first show at La Mama was um, Mythos Oedipus, about Oedipus uh, the king. And I believe your father, Dewey Chang was in it. Yes, he was in it. Because this was the time, I think it was 1989 already, that she wanted to, to mix the show, Mythos Oedipus, along with another piece that she was going to do, which is the premiere of, <coughs> of Dionysos Filius' day about Dionysus' journey looking for his mother, Semele. Um, and in both shows, um, Dewey Chang um, was in it, and I was in it, and then and I got to work with many artists on and on and on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because New York City, of course, is a big city, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, one artist leads to another. So you have no budget. Okay, Ellen has provided you a space, so you're uh, dependent on, to, you know, information from your friends. Hey, don't you have someone who is into costume? Can he or she help us out with a very very low budget? And then at which point you could, there was, and there still is an organization called uh, Material for the Arts. You can go there, find anything, including fabrics, buttons, furnitures, whatever. Um, you, you can get them for free. And in return, you just have to say thank you, write a thank you note to the company that they didn't quite dedicate so much. Whatever that the industrial companies don't need, they come and dump them and mm. hoping that somebody can use them. Right. So that's it's a recycling program right, in a way. Exactly. So or or you can say, Okay, so so we found the, the costume person. Don't we know somebody who can play a drum? Right. You know. Oh, Yukio do, would do it for you. You know, Yukio likes this kind of whatever. So it's one by one by one. It's all like connecting this, the world of theater artists. So that's what La Mama was. And I didn't know at that time, Ellen Stewart, the founder, was providing whoever came from another country who had a specific skill or talent or something. It could be Butoh, it could be ballet, it could be makeup, Chinese, Peking opera makeup. She would say, okay, I brought you over here, so can you give us a training workshop for free? So then Ellen Stewart would say, hey, La Mama people, I'm holding a free workshop this weekend. Peking opera makeup, come on over. 
So we had tons and tons and tons of makeup. Uh, not makeup, sorry. Uh, free training courses. Um, we had Japanese sword movements. We had many buto workshops. Uh, makeup, and there was um, playwriting, and so on and so on. And and I thought that was the way of New York City. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that was just a plain old special thing that Ellen Stewart had had conducted for the people that she cared about. Right. Yeah. And um, anyway, so that's it. I'm I never left theater except for some years. I dedicated my time to study flamenco. And then eventually, um, my very dear flamenco uh, teacher passed away, at which point I returned back to to theater arts. And so basically, yes, I've been in the theater ever since I arrived in 1986 to now 2023. Money or not, press or not, paycheck or not. uh, I just didn't want to give up, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So another thing that you mentioned was mm-hmm. um, some of the plays that you've done with the La Mama production was, mm-hmm. in a way, kind of using language as another source of music mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how that was... It, it was essentially proving a point where... Language wasn't the only source of communication. Correct. So uh, it was encouraging almost in a sense that there's some type of universality across the globe. So Mm -hmm. how was participating in a project like that? Because I I don't know, um, when I arrived in the United States for the first time, I didn't speak English. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. most of the people, I think especially during 1980s and 1970s when people were arriving, some people may have had some formal education on English, but Mm -hmm. some people also didn't. So kind of overcoming that barrier and how that, in a way, experiment of Ellen Stewart kind of Mm -hmm. pushed people uh, to their limits of understanding language as another form of, just another form of communication, not the only form of communication. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, yes, very important. Um, as I said, Ellen Stewart began La Mama uh, Experimental Theater Club in 1962 for the playwrights who were not, who had no representation. But little by little, um, then she had aimed for the world theater. Well, well, as as you said, English isn't the only language. Uh, for the world. So she said to most everyone um, who came along, said, look, uh, excuse me if I'm going to offend somebody. Look, I'm Chinese. I'm blind. I'm deaf. Show me. Show me your your story. Tell Mm -hmm. me your story Mm -hmm. so that I can understand. So, So the music played a very important role. So La Mama's uh, landmark production is referred as um, Greek trilogy. Um, 
which included Medea, Electra, and Trojan Women, three works composed by a lady named Elizabeth Suedo, directed by Andrei Serban, who is originally from Romania. In any case, um, so the group of people got together, including your father, and uh, maybe your father came a little bit later, like in the 70s, mm -hmm. but originally like in the 60s. In 62, they developed Medea, and then by 74, they fully developed Trojan Women and, and um, Greek Trilogy. Uh, these three um, shows were con uh, performed in ancient Greek with made-up words and sounds sang and with rhythms and music and raw emotions uh, told in this manner with actions and, and again, raw emotions without a, or a single word of, of English. So as some great composer or philosopher said, all art forms admire towards music because even speaking English, you're still dealing with the rhythm, the iambic rhythm, the, the speed and the pitch. And so, so for example, let's say in the, in the, in the acting world, let's say, um, let's say I'm going to say, oh, I love you. Okay. I love you. Or, I love you. You know, it's, 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 it's it, the color, the pitch, the music. It all changes the meaning of the word words I love you so so put that in ancient Greek and made up sound um, let's let's have an example I hate you mm -hmm. let's say I hate you okay in English let's say I hate you and it can be like you know like like that or it could be or is that too loud no um, no no it's okay or, 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 <laughs> It could be Inawa It can be any any one of these these consonants and vowels combination and of course there's there's music and, 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 and um, uh, percussion. Mm -hmm. So you can literally create a story without using a single word of English. It is it could just be a voice emotion, the volume, the way you do it, and the way you move your body. So, so that is the experimentation that they, they conducted. And these three pieces went around the, the world like three times. They performed everywhere. And it's still being... So it started in 72 with Medea, Trojan Women 74, um, your father went around all of Europe and <laughs> Japan and, and with Trojan women and everything else. Um, I think he was also in other two. Right, correct. He was in all three. Um, people everywhere were fascinated. 
and they were moved by it. I certainly was moved by it, and I so wanted to be a part of this tradition of um, of Greek plays. In any event, something like that. So now, after you've been in La Mama production for since 1986, Six, yeah. um, you've also been a part of the Metropolitan Opera's uh, productions of various operas as as an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was your experience in La Mama production uh, helped you or guided you in some ways to be Everything. fluid in, in on on the opera stage? Everything. I'm telling you, everything was from La Mama. Okay, here's the audition day. Okay, the pandemic, of course, happened. We <laughs> were hungry for live theater. So um, the Met was going to open in 2020. Was it two? Right, 2022 of September, they were going to open back with. Um, Shostakovich's piece called Lady uh, Macbeth of Muzensk. They were looking for featured character dancers, seven of them. Mm. So this randomly, this call was on, I think it was on Actors Access. (laughs) And I didn't even read the, the small prints that said Metropolitan Opera House. It, I don't oh, think it even said that. I think it was like, oh, it may involve some sexual nature, and if, you know, you're going to... We're looking for character dancers. Um, please submit. So I submit. I was just hungry for live theater. This is summer of 22. We're just coming out of, of pandemic and everything else. And then um, then I was contacted to c- come in for in-person audition. I had no clue that it was really at the Met. So I'm like overjoyed that I'm going to be in the Met building mm-hmm. because I love opera. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so, and I'm thinking of all the stars that I really liked, you know, thinking, oh my God, so-and-so was here, so-and-so was So I was really just having fun feeling the energy of the the rehearsal room, gigantic rehearsal room they have uh, that we were called to go for in-person audition. Uh-huh. Well, in-person audition went on like three days or three to four days. <laughs> Each group had about 40 people. I see. I understand approximately 300 people auditioned. For seven, for seven people. Seven female dancers. They already had male dancers from people that they already have in their 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 production their list. So I had no idea that e- including people who worked at the Metropolitan Opera were called at the same audition. Oh, I see. So that's why it ended up with like 300 people in the end. Um, I think, I think. I'm not sure exact how many people. So Ron Howard, who is a choreographer, also an original creator of this production, 
who set Shostakovich's piece in um, 19... Oh, boy. Sorry if I'm wrong, but I believe it was 1950 or 60s in America. The setup. (laughs) So they moved the the, the Russian uh, original time period and moved the piece to America... Oh. In the fifties or fifties or sixties, some because we used Hoover vacuum cleaner as one of the dance pieces. I see the real Hoover. Uh-huh. It wasn't a. Plastic, it wasn't the new one. <laughs> it wasn't a plastic replica. It was a heavy duty metal Hoover vacuum cleaner that we had to carry and dance with. In any case, so he. It wasn't an audition that lasted five minutes. It, it lasted like, I think, four or five hours. It, it was like all day long. <laughs> so the group of us would go in, and then he would say, okay, well, then you're a housewife. Your husband comes home with guests, and you hate them but you have to have smile on your face and you're preparing the meals and drinks and everything and so he would have us like do whatever he said you know and and walk in speed 10 speed 7 speed 3 as a as a as a wife who is crying but has a has to have a smile on your face kind of thing so so it required physical um, movements as well as emotional and then at one time he said well you're at a funeral well how are you gonna express your uh, sorrow um, so everything I did came from my mama like I did the the, right. the the this 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 cry uh-huh. of um, not Agamemnon. What's her name? Uh, Andromache. Uh-huh. Andromache loses her son, right? And she she was in in your father's time played by Priscilla Smith, who mm-hmm. was a master of every voice experimentation that you could ever imagine. So she created that cry because she was about to lose her son. So I'm thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pretend that I'm Priscilla Smith losing her son, and I threw a handkerchief over my face, and I started going... Uh Something like this. And and then the butoh training comes in. So so continuing, you know, he's throwing at us these 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 tasks that we have to, to do at, at an audition. So and then at one time he says, Well, okay, then you lost someone you really love. And what are you going to do about it, you know, instead of just crying at the funeral? So I, I, I used Butoh, which was introduced to me by La Mama Training. 
well, there you go. And then I got the part. I, it was very difficult because it's sort of like the, my first Broadway um, audition was actually for um, Bob Fosse. There were hundreds of oh. us. <laughs> hundreds of us. And we with numbers, right? I'm mm-hmm. like number 365 or whatever. We're, we're running across the stage, and Bob Fosse, I'm, ki- I'm not kidding you, is like staring at each person. So, so it was a bit like that. There's hundreds of, uh, it, I mean, it was 40 people in a group, but there's, by the end of the day, there's like three groups, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he just wanted to have fun like that, but he would say, oh, um, we weren't a number. We were actually having a name tag. So we would have... Um, okay, Shigeko, okay, go over there. Okay, Chris, you go over there. You don't know who is staying or leaving. You, right, <laughs> okay. You know, so it's that kind of a... And so everybody in in the room is like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to this way, I'm going to that. And oh. so we don't know who is staying and leaving. So, But, of course, by... By the time there were a lot more people going this way, we figured out people who went that way are staying. And so, of course, they're like, okay, you guys stay. Everybody else, thank you very much. And they picked three more people as sub because it was right out of pandemic. They always had to have, even today, Met always has to have um, um, understudy. Mm-hmm. In the event that you have COVID or whatever, that you know. So that's how I got in. From everything I have learned from La Mama, is how I got into the opera, which I love so much. Which is kind of ironic, but but it is what it is, you know. And so I'm grateful. Yeah. So uh, another question that I had was. Um, not only were you exposed to various cultural aspects of arts uh-huh. from all around the world through La Mama, but I also wanted to ask you, what exposure did you have in terms of music and uh, just overall the arts in, uh, again, for those of you who are listening in, you're originally from Japan. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... Back home, what kind of exposure did you have for the arts? Um, mm-hmm. Was there specific memories that you have about like, oh, this was this, e- even if it wasn't strictly music mm-hmm. or strictly mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. called art forms. And of course, mm-hmm. here I am <laughs> to, yeah. talking to someone who has been in experimental theater. So, mm-hmm. um, but it was there some kind of memories that you thought yes. was very not only dear to you but that stayed with you as like uh, that was very musical or that was very mm. physically beautiful and things like that yes, yes. well I um, I was raised in a Buddhist temple my father was a, a Buddhist monk um, my father also was very open minded uh, uh, along with my mother they were very open minded they said, well, we should all learn something, you know. So we were all uh, 
sent to uh, piano lessons, um, drawing lessons, and also what do you call it, the the math thing from China? Oh, uh, abacus, ab- abacus yes, lessons. Uh-huh. Um, and then my oldest sister and my second also sister were sent to traditional Japanese dance. Um, the third, I'm fourth. The third and fourth, we probably said, no, 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 we don't want to do it. <laughs> um, but we were surrounded by, my father also began a kindergarten on his own. And he believed that children need music lessons. So they made sure that they, there was a piano always in, in, in the building. But unfortunately for me, I did not become an opera singer or pianist or painter of any kind. What really got me, I think, in my early days of growing up in the temple is the monks. Mm-hmm. Monks chanting, they don't just chant. They have a big cymbal going, and then mm-hmm. there's a drum going, dun, 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 dun. and there's a, there's a, or other little instruments that go with the the Buddhist chants. So I think that really got me. Mm -hmm. That the rituals that frame us, wherever you're from, the culture, whatever the culture, it doesn't have to be monks chant. It can be Catholic, uh, you know, uh, prayer. There's always um, a ritual yes. that can define or that makes you feel that you can define yourself as, okay, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. And through which I pray to God or I pray uh, or I, I exist mm-hmm. as, as a person. Um, so music and rituals, in my mind frame everyone's identity. You don't have to to take pills and go to a doctor to define who you are. You you it's great if you know who you are without any rituals, but in general human society rituals um help you define yourself as who you are. You don't have to comply with the society. Because rituals usually involve with just other people, not just alone, Mm -hmm. other people involved. And when other people are involved, there's always, you know, minor problems, personality conflicts. Um, But just aside from all that, um, the pure form of rituals and music and and, and, um, I think helps me feel good yeah it doesn't mean I'm always chanting or anything like <laughs> right <laughs> no but I think I think there's some truth to that because I think performance in a way I don't know if you would agree but I think performing can be seen almost ritualistic of course yes it yes, has some course. ritualistic aspects yeah, to it yeah, yeah. and Oh, yeah, you have to go to backstage. Maybe you put on the costume, you put on the makeup, you pray that everything goes okay. 
Um, yes, theater is a sacred space, um, and I do think that performance is is part of that ritual. Yeah. yeah.